man, this, this speed is is destroying our souls. Like it, it really, it really is. I, I don't believe that the human soul was created to exist at the pace that we currently are existing at. There's just no way. And, and I think there's data, to, scientific data to actually prove that. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with my main man, David Bloom. David, how in the world are you? I am good. You know, I would say great. It's a sunny day, but you know, good. Just good. Yeah, we're in a heavy point in our world. So as sunny and beautiful as it is right now, there's chaos swirling all around. So, uh, which is great for this conversation of this conversation really is about hearing from God and God speaking to us in unexpected ways. And I think we desperately need that right now, at least I do, um, to hear from God and, and to hear his still small no- uh, voice in the midst of the noise and the chaos. Um, I think we all need it. Yeah. And when you say noise and chaos, there's so much noise online, the things we should be paying attention to. And we're in the attention economy right now. So everyone's fighting for our ears and for our eyeballs and and hearts that we would pay attention to that. But then the chaos, um, I'll tell you one way God has gotten my attention in this season and it's called COVID-19. I mean, I did not see all of these shifts happening. None of us did. And God has gotten my attention in some ways that that I'm convinced are unique to this moment and this season and this year. I just, when I think about 2020, um, I did not imagine that God would teach me in any of the ways that he has. I mean, none of them. And yet there's been other fruit that's come out of it. But if I had to say one amazing thing that's happened during the season, it's hearing from God. I mean, I have, um, yes, gone on walks and yes, gotten more time away and had some incredible porch conversations with friends trying to navigate through what's happening. But I have this great hunger to hear from God. And you do too, David. And we talk about that of God, what's your will? What's your desire for me in this moment? And that's what I get to talk to Carlos about on this episode. Um, Carlos is just an incredible guy. I actually suggest a new name for him. He um, has traditionally called himself a hope dealer. I have a new name that I think would be more fitting that I share with him. We talk about fishing. I mean, it's a fun conversation. Carlos is just an incredible guy. One of those guys you just want to spend time with. God's, you know, put his hand on Carlos's life in incredible ways. But this book that he wrote, Enter Wild, is real. I mean, it's honest. And he's sharing, I didn't know how to hear from God. And at some points, I think we get cynical and even skeptical about hearing from God. And yet everybody has this deep desire to hear from God, like, God, what do you want from me? And yet we all go through these, you know, periods of silence and we feel like God's not speaking to us. And so it's very honest. Um, you know, David, as a pastor, it's probably hard to get up and preach. It's probably hard to disciple a team or group and say, I don't know. I don't know what God is saying in the midst of this. Talk a little bit about that. Like kind of what's your grid for hearing from God? What do you do when you can't hear from God? It's a good question. I, I would say, it can be a difficult time as a, as a leader, especially as a pastor, because you feel that weight and responsibility to, in some people's minds, almost be, you know, God's voice to the the congregation of the people. And there are some times where you just don't 
<laughs> you don't have confidence that you're hearing from them. And yeah. that's a freaky place to be in. Um, my, my rule of thumb is I never speak for God when I haven't heard from him, <laughs> you know, try to put words in his mouth. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's tempting to do that because you, you want to feel like you've, you've heard from the Lord and you understand where he's leading you. And I think in a moment like this, where things have been turned on their head, as far as our rhythms or what our life looks like, and maybe some routines that we had, uh, in our life have now been taken away from us or adapted. And that has been good for me actually, because it's shaken things up to, I am now pursuing God in different ways. Um, and, one of the ways that I've been doing it is I'll take my headphones on a hike and I'll, uh, audio journal and a voice, voice memo. Have you ever done that? Where Mm. I've got like earbuds with mics in them. And, um, one of the things that I was doing as a discipline was gratitude. And, um, what's interesting when you just kind of do a stream of consciousness of gratitude, you're like, you'll surprise yourself at the things that you say, (laughs) like the things that you're grateful for, because it begins to snowball. And, um, that as a discipline was this moment where I'm like, man, God is speaking through this overflow of gratitude to illuminate things that I didn't even know I had to be grateful uh, for. And that was super powerful. And so as, as I've had to adapt, um, my pursuit of God has adapted to disciplines that I, I haven't been doing in a long time, or maybe I've never done before. So my encouragement in this time is to, to use the disruption as a moment to maybe rethink how you've been pursuing God. And is there, you know, is there a fresh way for you to pursue your relationship with God and his voice in this moment? Yes. Yes. And I'm glad you said that. Is there a fresh way? And actually a a discipline for me, David, I love that, how you're just kind of, you know, speaking out loud to God. Maybe that's different than just sitting down with your journal. We get this idea that, you know, journaling is so uh, biblical and it's like the right spiritual practice. Maybe it either isn't for you. You don't do it the way others do, or you need to do it in a different way. I've been listening to scripture in my earbuds recently as I walk. Oh, and it's been so helpful. Um, another thing for me is changing up the translation of scripture. And sometimes I feel like, oh man, I can kind of predict where that's going. And I've heard that before this way, but even shifting to another translation of scripture, I say, wow, I've never quite heard it that way. And I'm hearing things afresh. Uh, and, and I would just say to you guys listening, if you say, I'm not hearing from God right now, I, I would just ask you to do a couple things. Um, I ask you to try to cut some things out of your life. I know when I haven't been hearing from God, I often realize that I'm hearing from everyone else. I'm listening to too many podcasts and I am filling my emotional space and relational space with other voices. And the other piece is change it up. What can you try in a different way, different rhythms or routines? Um, But just overall, I, I love this conversation with Carlos because it's something we all wrestle with. Don't believe the lie that you're the only one that can't hear from God or you're not a good follower of Jesus. None of those things. Um, if we're human, we're going to struggle to connect 
with God's voice at different times. And Carlos shares that as a guy who's sort of been mega Christian famous and in different ways, is just incredibly honest, incredibly vulnerable. I loved his book. I love this conversation. I just like who, who Carlos is. And God has done some incredible healing in his life. He walks through that uh, in this episode and, and kind of you know busts into that. But I would encourage you guys to pick up this book because I think it is good for you or a friend who is wrestling and who's struggling to hear from God. And uh, I know that that is a struggle. That's one that David has, that I have, our whole team at Stay Forth has. The, the last thing I want to say is if you're struggling to hear from God in discernment and wisdom, that's one reason David and I coach. We love walking alongside of leaders, helping them hear from God. What do you think your next step is? And then holding you accountable to do that. This is a complex time, bringing other voices, wise sages and mentors, maybe coaches, in your life, but make sure that you're going to the source. You're hearing from God. I love this conversation. I think you will too. Enjoy my conversation with Carlos Whitaker. Carlos, welcome to the podcast. Dude, what's going on, Alan? Congrats on the book, Enter Wild, released today. Like literally today. Congrats, man. You just gave birth. Like how much does it weigh? How big is it? You you got to tell us, man. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, I I think this one weighs maybe six to, you know, six pounds, two ounces. It's a little smaller on the, on the weight scale. Um, you know, but, but, but yeah, yeah, it's got a really, uh, this one's got a really like big head. And so, you know, (laughs) real heady. Uh, pretty, pretty excited about the, you know, it's so funny people, um, you know, we authors, we all joke about birthing ba- uh, books, you know, and obviously we would never, never compare it to, to what our spouses go through. Um, if you're a male author, but it, it, you know, I think it's as close to like, you know, this is something that has been cooking. This is something that has been prayed over. And this is something that, you know, as I release, I'm praying that, you know, the Lord anoints it and just it, you know, it's, it spreads like wildfire and, and impacts as many people as it possibly can. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. But of course, as, as any author knows, you know, you release something out in the world, there's obviously always that little bit of trepidation and you just are praying that, you know, people, people get what, what you want them to get out of it. Yeah. Well, and the word that I use is terracited. And anytime that you're releasing anything so personal out into the world, you know, to be beat up on Amazon or praised or everything in between. sure. Uh, half, you know, terrified and half completely excited and all that, you know, all the things wrapped in together. Um, but man, I think it's really yeah. timely. Obviously we had no idea the crisis that would lead up to book launch and all of that, but right. um, man, I think it's, I think it's timeless and it's timely. Um, honestly, this one felt really personal. It was deep. It's personal. Mm. It's a gutsy message. And I read a lot of books. They're all good. Love having people on the podcast, yeah. but could not put yeah. this down, really was looking forward to opening up the conversation. There's a lot of discouraged leaders out there. And I really think yeah, man. that this would encourage them to take some of the steps that you have taken. Um, I laughed, I cried a few tears. I mean, it's deep. Uh, and so thank you for <laughs> this gift, uh, particularly talking about Thai food and a redneck chasing you out of the restaurant. And guys, you just yeah. have to read the book. Story, all right. It's, it's good. It's, oh, it's real good. That's so um, funny. So let's let's start with this. You say you've kind of exited self-help in many ways, leading people, I felt like, toward freedom. So you've called yourself a hope dealer in the past. I felt like you moved beyond that to freedom slinger right here. Like there is some deep yeah. freedom in this book. So talk about that and the freedom that of your own story that this book really came right out of. 
Yeah. You know, I, I, that's actually, I love the way you put that. Uh, you know, Hope Dealer was, it's, it's something that, that I think, you know, I have, um, I've grown accustomed to people calling me or calling myself, you know, but, but moving from, from kind of Hope Dealer to Freedom Slinger, I like that, man. I think I'm going to steal that from you, put that on my business card. Cause that Great, is, man. uh, <laughs> yeah, that is definitely something where, that I feel like I've, I've gotten to, you know, um, I, for gosh, for, for far too long, I, I just feel like, um, we have, and Christians, you know, and when I say Christians, obviously this book is very personal, as you said. So I'm, I'm talking about myself. I have lived in the land of sin management, lived in the land of self-help, lived in the land of Barnes and Noble self-help bio. Like, man, if I can just kind of roll, roll up my sleeves and, and, and work hard and kind of get past do A plus B, and then I'm going to have C. And, you know, the, the truth is, is that there is truth to that. There, there's truth to being able to, we're very capable. Uh, human beings are capable, and we can do things that can make ourselves better. Um, and I think what I finally got to a few years ago was that I realized that the gospel was never about getting better like just getting better. And that's what I felt like so many sermon series that I was listening to online or so many of my, you know, honestly, a lot of my friends that were, you know, preaching messages, they were messages to help us get better. And I just finally got to the place where I was like, wait a second, like scripture doesn't tell me that the goal here as a believer is to get better. What I'm finding is that the goal is to become fully healed, not just better, but like completely transformed, completely healed. And so I started having this like internal dialogue with myself, uh, like, wait a second, like, what is this gospel, this version of the gospel that I've been not only listening to, but teaching myself? Um, and man, you know, this, this book has been my journey of, again, I think leaving the land of getting better and sin management and getting on the boat and, and stepping off into this land of complete abundance, full healing, miracle signs and wonders, and all the things that I think I was scared when I was on the land of better to, to believe because I, w- I was scared if I placed any sort of, of hope in some of these crazy wild things that God says we have available to us that I was going to be disappointed. Well, I'm just, I'm just grateful that I, I took that, that step of faith, stepped onto this new land, and bro, I'm never looking back. Well, you got stories, and, and people can't argue with stories. Carlos, you said this, uh, page 17, we know the Bible tells us we get life to the full, but what we really believe is that we'll experience only a little bit of that. And you talk about partial abundance, which of course is not abundance. What we say at Stay Forth is the abundant life's not a unicorn. Like it's not just this legend or this tale that Jesus talked about, like it's available to you. So that's what I hear throughout the book. It is available to us. So talk a little bit about that, about that. Why do we not believe this abundant life's available to us now? And how does that stand in the way from truly experiencing full, you know, this gusto, this full life that Jesus promised? Yeah. You know, Again, uh, we're, we're, we're sitting here sitting on John 10, 10. And uh, when you read it, you, you don't see him saying, you know, I've come that they may have life and have it to 60%. And, and I, the, the reason why, I'll tell you the, the main reason why I feel like most believers stop at 60%. Most believers stop at better. Most believers stop at, um, at, at just, you know, like we, we, we feel better. So, so God, this, if, this is good. The, the reason why is because 
when when you've experienced like zero, right? So when when you've experienced life to the zero, and and you're like, dear God, please pull me out of this pit of despair, right? Like, just like give me sixty percent through the roof. Give me if I can just get sixty percent. If I can just get better, what ends up happening is once we've been in the pit, when we get to sixty percent, we're like we're so relieved, and the pain is not near as intense that we end up making a deal. We we end up almost. I'm making a deal with God saying, you know what, God, if I can just stay here, I promise if you never let me go back there, if I can just stay here, I, things are going to be great. Like, um, I promise I'll be a good, I'll serve you. I'll, uh, I'll lead people to you. Let me just stay here. And so what ends up happening is 60% is, it feels so good when you haven't tasted 60% in so long that we just stop. And I'm here to tell, I'm here to tell everybody that's listening to this podcast that like, the scripture doesn't say life to 60%. It says life to the full, complete abundance. So then I think the second thing we've got to do is redefine what abundance is. Like abundance and life to the full doesn't mean like, you know, um, it's tricked out, you know, Lexuses and Range Rovers and like fancy cars. Like that's not what life to the full is. Like he's speaking of this, of this Zoe, of this, of this spiritual uh, life that we can have in him in the midst of trials and trauma and despair. Because the truth is, listen, uh, our emotions should not be the thing that dictates what we believe about the gospel. So whether or not you feel close to Jesus right now, or whether or not you feel a thousand miles away, the truth is, is the gospel isn't dependent on how we feel. But most Christians end up, you know, we we end up applying scripture to our feelings uh, when, when again, our feelings can't be what dictates what's true in the gospel. And so, you know, the, the message of the book is just, again, to help people get to a space where they know that they can risk you're going to, because this book is going to be a risk for a lot of people. Like I wrote it knowing that I was going to have a lot of pushback from a lot of people that were just like me that were like, well, Carlos, I just, I think that was for the disciples. Like, I don't think we're really expected to experience fullness here on earth. Like I know we're going to get that in heaven because that's what I believe, but I just don't know if Jesus really meant for us here on earth. And I'm telling you that my my life is an example and the stories that I live on a daily basis are an example of that Zoe life to the full here. You don't have to wait until heaven. You can actually bring heaven. And that's what I'm hoping people get. Wilderness, man. And I, it's interesting how it falls after this season of COVID, whatever the new different looks like that we're heading into, that's wilderness. Yeah. And so that's the phrase that I've oh, yeah. been saying to people, welcome to the wilderness on the other side of this, where it's unpredictable. Yep. And we'll talk about yep. fishing here in a little bit, but I love those little mountain streams. It takes me miles to get to. I'm not fighting off any other mm. people, but I may be fighting off bears, you know, right there when I catch yeah, my, my fish, right? That's, that's the spot. Not like next to the road where 50 other guys are fly fishing the same spot. It's wild. It's wild here. And so right. a- appropriately named and people are going to have to lean in or lean out for this book. I don't think you can just kind of, yeah. you know, put it into cruise and and read through it. So I, I love that and appreciated that. You say this, rest leads to revival. You talk about, I think, this learned helplessness. We think life's always going to be too fast. It's never going to slow down. So what is that speed doing to our souls, Carlos? Man, this the speed is, is destroying our souls. Like it, it really... It really is. I, I don't believe that the human soul was created to exist at the pace that we currently are existing at. There's just no way. And, and I think there's data 
to scientific data to actually prove that when you look at the, the mental health crisis, not only in America, but around the world that's happening, you, you look, you look back and not saying that mental health wasn't an issue, you know, 400 years ago or back in the days of Jesus. But, but when you look at how much we're, how much we're hustling, how much content we're consuming, um, there is just no way to hear all of the things that God is saying to us when the volume of life is so loud. And so, you know, in the book, I teach uh, and I talk about how Jesus walked at three miles an hour. That was the pace of life. That was the pace of humanity. And nowadays, if you try to sell anybody something that moves at three miles an hour, they're going to look at you like you're crazy because there's no way that we can get to the next thing we need to do at three miles an hour. But what if the next thing we need to do is inside of that three miles an hour? What if the way to finally enter wild is to enter rest, is to slow down? What if the way to hear God speaking isn't to listen to more, but to listen to less? I just think that um, the the chaos that is surrounding us these days is limiting the volume of God in our lives. And so again, in the book, the whole first section is about lowering the volume of life, lowering the pace of life so that the volume of God and the pace of God can explode in our lives. And that's, I promise you, that's what you're searching for. It's what everybody's searching for is more, more, more of God. But I think the way you get more of God is less of us. Mm, that's good. Uh, why don't you get specific? Drill down there. I know you've been pretty uh, disciplined and have really turned over a new leaf in terms of how you're consuming media, uh, social media. Yeah. Talk about some of the practices that you've you've added and dialed into your life to make sure that you're not over-consuming and, and under-hearing God. Yeah. So good. You know, um, I, will, I mean, we'll get super practical and specific here. Um, in the 80s, there was this thing that we had next to our beds when I was growing up called an alarm clock. Like, that's all it did. Like, it woke me up. Maybe it had, like, a radio station where I could listen to Casey Kasem on Saturday mornings, but that's all yes. it did. Now, 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 so, like, the whole purpose of that thing, that device next to my bed, was to tell me what time it is and wake me up. Now we have these devices in our hands that are our entire world. And that is what's now our alarm clock. So what inevitably happens to us is our alarm goes off in the morning. We pick that thing up. We swipe left to either snooze or to turn it off. And then we swipe up and we start consuming. We start consuming. <coughs> we start consuming. And before we even get out of bed, before we even put our feet on the floor, we've consumed more content, honestly, than I believe my parents consumed in an entire day of their lives, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s. And there's there's just no way that we were created to do that. So, you know, I've got I've got some more like studies in the book and data in the book that proves this point. But things that I, I love to do now is, you know, I actually have an alarm clock now instead of my phone next to my bed. Because guess what? Now I actually wake up. I, I turn my alarm off, I stand up, I go brush my teeth, I make a cup of coffee, I, I make my breakfast. And, and now I've actually had a whole hour of my life that has no content consumed into my soul. I call it story stress. Um, the amount of stories that we're consuming and we're placing on our souls is, it has been detrimental to our health. And so um, my grandparents, when they had story stress, the story stress that they would put on their souls was, you know, if somebody had good news or bad news, they'd read a letter about that. And that's, that was the pace at which they consumed stories. Well, obviously now we're consuming stories at a much more rapid pace. And although technology has evolved and 
and science has evolved. I don't think that our souls have evolved. I think our souls were the same souls that God created for us in Eden. So again, my soapbox here is that, you know, do things, practical things that you can do on a daily basis, you know, buy an alarm clock, put your phone to bed in the kitchen. Uh, other things I do is I delete Instagram and Twitter, which are my two time sucks uh, off my phone. And I only install them twice a day for one hour at a time. And, you know, it takes work to like actually install it and download it and put my password back in. And, and it actually becomes a pain sometimes. So I won't even do it. Now, people that follow me on Instagram think, well, how in the world do you, I mean, you like are posting 20 times a day, but the truth is I'm actually posting from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. for that hour. I Now I've captured content my entire day, but I just post and consume during one hour blocks. And I'm telling you, that has made all the difference in the world. A couple other things, you know, that I, I tell people is, you know, every single morning, since I now wake up with my alarm clock, I, um, I, I'm not on my phone. I go out and I've, I've got my very specific time with God where it starts off with praise and thanksgiving for about seven minutes. And I'm very specific um, with my praise and my thanksgiving because scripture tells us that those two things are like our main weapons when it comes to warfare. So I start my day off with that. Then I do a daily prayer where I consecrate my entire day. I've taken that daily prayer from John Eldred, uh, repackaged it myself and uh, have used that for um uh for for kind of what what I do to consecrate my entire day then I get into the word and so now I'm at like hour 2 of my day I haven't consumed one piece of content from the world and my soul is ready to hear from God no matter how loud it gets and there's just a slew of books on the way obviously John Mark Comer uh, you know talking about the ruthless elimination of hurry Jeff Bethke others that are in the process right now uh, something is systemically wrong with how much we're consuming, the pace we're running. It's off. It's jacked up. Uh, enter our good friend, Bra- Brad Lominick, who is just a pain in the butt yeah. and says, you need to come out to Montana and you need to go fly fishing. Yeah. At that moment, you'd never caught a fish in your life. Is that right? Not only never, never, never caught a fish. I'd never like held a fish. I'd Maybe one time somebody made me try to hold a fish and it was like the nastiest thing ever. And I remember freaking it's out like and a, I never want to do it again. Like a prank or something. <laughs> Here, hold this, hold this fish. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Brad was, gets in the uh, way, totally jacks up your life. What did fishing do to you and why is it so good for your soul? You know, it's funny. He, yeah, he, he invites me to a trip in Montana. I've never been fishing. I, I, and, you know, I'm a guy from the city. I'm from East L.A., um, and, uh, I, I, I remember flying to Billings, Montana. I'm like, where in the world is Billings, Montana? Like th- and when I landed in Billings, it looked nothing like the Montana I imagined in my head. And I ended up going to this, this, this place called refuge and take a few fly fishing lessons, you know, on the grass. And I remember thinking this is going to be miserable three days, but man, I tell you what the, I stepped, I stepped into that river and just the peace that was all around me here and the water trickled by me. And then I have my guide next to me and he's, telling me how to cast. And then he spots a brown trout and, you know, he has me cast my fly in front of this pretty feeding trout and the trout comes up and grabs it. And then the fight is on and I fight this trout for about three minutes. We finally bring it in. My heart's pounding. And I just remember when that, when I first caught that first trout feeling like I, why did it take me so long to discover what I was created to do? Like I, I, I never should have been a preacher. I never should have been an author. I should have been a fly fishing guy. That's all I wanted to do the rest this of my it. life. And so I found I, it. this is it, man. The tug is the drug as they say. And, um, and so I did, I, you know, I, I started, um, going out, going fishing a lot more, got all my gear. And now I'm telling you, there's not a week that goes by that I don't find myself waist deep in some river. And the reason why is because it's, it's a place where 
where I can go and again, lower the volume of life. I'm, I'm not I'm not telling you that I'm living like this monastic life here in Nashville, Tennessee. No, I've got three kids. It's chaos. I've got books to write. I've got Zoom calls to do. I've got all those things. When I get on that river, none of that matters. And, and I'm telling you, I've heard more clearly from God specific questions that I'm asking him. And I go into this in the book too. Like we serve a very specific God, but yet we ask God such vague questions. And when I'm on that river, I get very specific with God. And you know whether I catch zero trout, or 10 child in a day, God is speaking to me clearly because I feel like I'm placing myself in a rhythm um, during my fly fishing escapades that lower the volume of life enough for me to hear God out loud. Yeah, man. Is Okay, so other than that first moment, that first tug, is there another moment fly fishing or day that just sticks out to you that's gold that you'll never forget? Oh, bro. So I'm in... I'm in, uh, where was I this summer? We were in Cody, Mon- Cody, Wyoming, and uh, at a um, family reunion for my wife. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm next to Yellowstone. I've got all my fly fishing gear. And, uh, and uh, one of my wife, it was my wife's family reunion, one of her like distant uncles that I never met before. I see him, um, I see him pull out a fly rod from his trunk. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's someone else here that fly fishes. So I went up there and when two fly fishermen start talking to me, of course, we become best friends right away. And he's like, listen, I, I have, there's a lake here in Cody, a small lake that, you know, not a lot of people know of a friend of mine. It's on his property. You want to go fish it? I said, yeah. So bro, I'd never fished in one of the little kind of pontoon little wraparound have with your little flippers before I'm a river yep. guy. Like I'm a stream guy. I'm not, I'm not a, um, I'm not a, uh, a, a still water guy. So we get out there and he's, and he's, he's telling me about these fish that are supposedly in there, these trout that are supposedly in there that are huge. And I'm like, I don't believe them, bro. I, like uh, you hear, you hear fly fishermen talk about catching footballs. And I never really knew what that meant until I fished this lake. I, we spent the entire day. I was pulling up 30 inch, you know, brown trout. These things were massive. They were, wow. they were pulling me around the lake in my, in my little boat. So that was one of my best, uh, uh most favorite, um, you know, moments fly fishing, just because to be honest with you, the fish were so freaking gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Well, we'll, we'll have to, uh, finish these conversations out on the river here in Colorado. Let's do like a podcast from the river, right? We're trying to talk while you're, I would love it. I love it, man. Let's go, Um, man. Let's do that. So, so much there for another day. Um, you mentioned how it's so easy to pray those general prayers. What are we afraid of? Why are we not praying more specific prayers, Carlos? Well, we're, I mean, the most carnal moment in a man's life is when you're desperate for something and you're so desperate that you that you ask this god somewhere else in the universe that we can't see for help with it that's like the most carnal moment of a man's life and so you know man or woman when, when we get to that place it's scary to 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 pray something and ask god to fix it for you and so the reason why we don't pray those prayers the way the reason why we pray vague prayers is because we're scared. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, we're scared that He won't answer. We're scared that that God isn't going to come through, and so we end up praying very vague prayers. But can I tell you, like, once you start praying very specific prayers, once you get to that place, I, I'm telling you, your your belief in God is going to go through the roof because we serve a specific God that that He is. Everything in Him wants to answer us specifically. But when we're just asking God and asking him and praying these vague prayers, we're not going to get 
uh, specific answers. And so I just think that people are scared. I think that we've prayed things before. I know for me, I've prayed very, very specific, big God-sized prayers that haven't turned out the way that I ultimately wanted them to in the moment. And so it's been crushing to my heart, crushing to my family. Uh, and again, hindsight is twenty twenty. always. You know, when I look back at some of those unanswered prayers, I mean, what's that Garth Brooks song? Not that he's some great theologian, but I think there's a song that he's, he's uh, that my wife loves. It, it says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Because w- when, when I look back at the prayers that he didn't answer a certain way, I can see now, oh, thank God that you didn't answer that. Because what I was praying for was something that wasn't even in your plan. And so, you know, I just think that that as leaders and as, um, as, as, as any believer, you're, you're going to be scared to, to step out and risk praying these wild prayers, right, that I get into in my book. Because it's a lot safer and it feels a lot better to be mild and to pray these mild prayers. But if there's one thing that Jesus didn't do is live a mild life. And if you call yourself a follower of Christ and you take up your cross and, tr- and try to follow his example, then you cannot continue to live a mild faith. You've got to step into some big, bold, wild prayers. And this book's really one big story. It's an invitation into your life and your story. Um, you know, 15 years, you say a partial healing from anxiety, uh, stepping out into you know, the craziness of life as a speaker and, you know, forgetting some of the things that you were doing before and literally closing the door on that. First, yeah. I want you to talk about anxiety and talk about, you know, what it, what is partial, what did partial release from that look like? And then now what are you experiencing? Yeah. And then why don't you push into the, just the craziness of leaving behind your career and heading into what God had for you next? Talk about anxiety first. Yeah, sure. You know, um, anxiety, you know, fear and anxiety are two different things, right? So like, like fear, fear is something I don't actually think is always bad. Um, but when you move from fear to worrying about things constantly, um, now we're stepping into a space that a lot of people are struggling with. Gosh, especially with all this information that we're getting these days. And I, I lived with crippling anxiety for gosh, uh, crippling, the crippling section was about six years. Then through a lot of hard work, a lot of counseling, which is great. A lot of um, uh, exercise and changing my diet, uh, therapy, uh, medicine, I was I was on antidepressants, a lot of all of these things really helped me a lot. And, and I think when I got to being helped, when, when I when I saw that I got helped, and I think at the end of my help is where I would say I got to about 60% better. I got to the place where I was like, well, okay, like, like, I actually really trust all of the things that I'm doing now, because they've worked, they've got me 60% better. So I stayed there for far too long. Because I think I, I, I actually, although I would never have admitted it in the moment, I was placing my hope in, in what should have been the help. I was placing my hope in all the things of the natural that I was doing, instead of placing my hope in the supernatural, placing my hope in Jesus saying that he has come, not that we may have life, but have it to the full. That I, I, pla- I did not place my hope in believing that maybe there was a chance I could be 100% healed of my anxiety and my depression. And so um, <laughs> that transition point, that, that moment of, of saying, okay, um, I, I've, I've, I need the natural to be my help and the supernatural to be my hope, um, that was a scary place you know, to be, but I finally, you know, and I take people on, I would say that the smaller story arc of the book is 
in the middle section, my my journey of beating uh, and being delivered completely from my anxiety uh, and depression. And I did that through uh, inner healing prayer uh, through a man in Nashville named John who who did this thing called Heart Sync with me that really led me to a lot of spaces in my soul uh, that I needed to forgive myself for some some things. And so forgiveness was a big key for me. Um, but more than anything, it was it was finally allowing the supernatural to come in and allowing the Holy Spirit to heal me as opposed to to having all my hope in the natural things that I was doing, which again, I want to be clear. I believe that the natural is very helpful. I believe that all the things that we do in the natural is very helpful and we don't need to stop doing those things. But what we don't need to do is place our hope in those things. Our help is in the natural and our hope is in the supernatural. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. And what we say at Stay Forth is that God changes us through encounters and practices. And what I find is sometimes yeah. when we don't want to do anything, we're just waiting for God to just rescue us and live inside of our laziness. Or on the other side, I'm yeah. just gripping it so much with my own strength. And I go, I got nothing today. When my strength, the end of the yeah. week is gone, I got nothing. And suddenly, where'd you go, God, when I had never relied on him? So, yeah. and I love how you put that. All right, man, tell the crazy story. You say, I'm not going to do this anymore, which was literally how you provided for your family. And God calls yeah. you to a new direction. You got to tell us the story. Yeah, sure. You know, I... Uh, when, when I started um, this kind of journey a few years back of, of really listening to the voice of God and responding in, in wild ways and seeing him ask me to do wild things and responding and believing and trusting, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I was doing that, I think, in, in, in small day-to-day interactions with Holy Spirit. And I, I, I want to be clear that that's the way that we all need to, to begin this journey of entering wild. Not, you know, first thing we need to do is not pray, God, should I quit my job today? <laughs> you know, like, let's, let, let's, let's get there, you know, and after you've developed this, this, this hearing muscle, right? And I, I think I developed it pretty well. Um, and I started to hear from God very clearly that I needed to stop leading worship and begin speaking and writing. And, you know, here's the deal, like at the time, this was like 2012, you know, I was leading worship every month at Elevation. I had a, I, I was traveling the world um, leading worship. I had a band, things were going to, like on the up and up. And so when I heard God tell me to <clears throat> stop leading worship and to start speaking, like that was the craziest thought ever, because I was, you know, everything, everything about what I was doing, I was preparing for my family, all those things were happening because I led worship. And so I ignored him forever. But then more and more people I admired, like out of the blue would come up to me and tell me the same thing. Like, Carlos, like, I just feel like you're you're, you're a thought leader more than you're a worship leader. And you should really pray about doing this. And so um, finally, I told my wife that I've been struggling with this for, for a little while. And she said, well, let's pray about it. So I pulled her in and she prays about it. The next day she tells me, okay, I, I don't, at least I heard from God. I know you got to hear from God, but I, I feel like, yes, like you're supposed to stop leading worship too. Now this is my wife. Now she knows that this provides my income. So with kind of her, you know, her nod and knowing I'd been ignoring God for a long time, I just, I did a crazy thing. I opened up my laptop and I literally canceled all of my worship leading dates um, for like the rest of the year. And I, 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 in the email I wrote, you know, I, the Lord's calling me to be a speaker and an author. So I know I'm not gonna lead worship anymore at your event, but if you'd like a speaker to come, I'd love to come and speak. Well, I, you know, I had this big faith at this point because my wife was with me and all my friends were telling me this. 
So I was like, yeah, man, I mean, I'm going to have 87 out of 87 worship leading dates email me back saying it's time. Yeah, bro, come on, speak, speak at our conference. Of course, 87 out of 87 <laughs> emails I got back were, man, that is great. We're so proud of you. Uh, how do we get our deposit back? Like it was. Bless you. It was. Bless you, just, Carlos, as you yeah, go. It was, yeah, we're so proud of you. Bless you. You know, give us our deposit back. So I started seeing our bank account go down and I'm like, okay. So then I start like emailing my friends you know, with, with, you know, youth groups. And I'm like, can I speak at your youth group? Can I speak at your, you know, at your second grade bar mitzvah? I mean, I don't know, like, like, how's Please. this work? You know, like anyone, and family so I'm reunions. Like anyone. Yes. Like, let me, let me birthday parties. Let me. And so I remember like seven days later, like thinking, Oh, Oh God, this is why I don't ask you specific questions, God, because I pray specifically. And then I hear wrong. Like I just screwed up. Like I'm, I'm now broke. We're living in this tiny condo in Nashville. Nobody's asked me to speak anywhere. 10 days, I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. 13 days, at this point, like I've gone to Starbucks to fill out an application. I've gone to Home Depot to fill out an application. I've gone from like successful worship guy to now I'm going to have to provide for my family leading, uh, making, yeah, nothing's wrong with them, but making, you know, caramel macchiatos or helping people find lumber. Like that's not what I signed up for. And uh, my wife, through this entire thing, was just cool, calm, and collected. She's like, nope, God's going to provide. And I'll just never forget day 14, or I was 13 or 14, I get an email in my inbox. Um, and it said, the White House would like to invite you. And I remember thinking, oh, well, it was, it's, it's spam. Like, I, I subscribed to all the political emails. So, like, I thought, oh, there's nothing. So I hit delete. And uh, didn't even look twice. I didn't even open it. I just I saw the White House would like to invite you. And I was like, invite you to donate how much money to whoever's cause is what I thought. So about, I don't know, 30 minutes later, I look down at my phone and I see all these missed calls from Velvet Kelm, who was my publicist. And um, I was like, well, why is why she called me so many times? So I I called her back and she said, did you? No, no. Actually, the first thing she said was, they know you deleted the email. And I remember thinking like, what, what are you talking about? What email? She just said, they know you deleted the email. Go right now and open up your deleted emails. And so, you know, I go to my um, my deleted folder and I open it up and I look and it said the White House would like, there's only one email I deleted that day. The White House would like to invite you to be the keynote speaker and lead one song in worship at the Easter prayer breakfast in the red room of the White House, in the East room of the White House, like in seven days. And I remember freaking out like, oh my wow. gosh. So the first thing I freaked out was, was a how did they know I deleted the email so fast? Right. So like they're <laughs> they have been watching us, right? Like satellites so, were tracking you, Carlos. That, yeah, there were drones outside my window, I'm sure. Uh, but then the second thing is, wait a second, they asked me to talk. They asked me to give a devotional. They asked me to share some words. They and then the next thing I know, it it did take about five minutes for me to realize that God had not left me to dry. Actually, my very first speaking gig ever was not at any of those conferences or churches that I had begged to have me. It was in the most, in front of the most powerful human being on planet earth. And friend, I showed up there seven days later. I I had, I think I had a 10 minute sermon written that I got through in about 45 seconds, (laughs) but (laughs) I never I'll never forget the moment I'm walking out of there thinking like Lord like you answered my specific question you answered my specific plea and prayer and so yeah you know that that's that's just one of the wild stories that have happened in my life when I have followed 
a crazy thing that God, God has asked me to do, you know, and, and he puts me in front of kings and queens. And, and I never take uh, sharing the gospel for granted. So um, that was just a crazy moment. I love it. And there's such a mix between those crazy moments in the book, but also the like, I'm, I was skeptical too. I can't even believe this is happening. And so if you're listening yeah. to this and this is, this book is for people with doubts, which is all of us because we're human. Yeah. So I identified with a lot of it. Um, tradition that you were raised in was not one that was open to the crazy or maybe even the mildly crazy. Right. So um, just, yeah. I can hear that movement. So, you know, it was well-documented and shared. So thank you for that guys. Encourage you Absolutely, to pick man. up brand new inter wild. There's talk of fishing in there, which made me happy, but incredible stories, what God's doing, man. So yeah. a ton of hope. Yeah. And again, even slinging freedom within this book on page 176. Carlos, you say this, if I could sit down with each of you reading this book, I would look you in the eyes and tell you, you can experience all God has for you right now. So instead of closing saying, what practices are you learning in your life? You share them here in the book. I thought it would be helpful for you to just pray freedom into the scarcity mindset of those listeners here, the fears, the anxieties we've picked up in this season. And if you would just pray us out of this, and, and into yeah. more freedom, more of the abundant life that you've gotten to experience. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Father, um, Holy Spirit, we, uh, we come to you uh, to be restored, first of all. Uh, will you just restore us to what you have for us, uh, to be renewed? Uh, and, and again, we come to you and seek all the grace and mercy that you have for us this day. Um, Lord, we honor you right now. Um, as our sovereign, and knowing that you're our sovereign, uh, knowing that you are over absolutely everything, knowing that that there's not one thing that's out of your control, we give you complete and total control of our lives. And in giving that complete and total control of our lives to you, we ask right now very specifically that the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection just be showered all throughout every single person that is listening to this podcast. I pray that you infuse the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection into their bones to where they feel it at their innermost core. And when we feel that, may we understand that the authority that you have given us in your ascension, Jesus Christ, is the thing that should give us the ability to walk with no fear, to walk where the enemy has no say in our lives. May we rise up and may the hope just rise up inside of our ethos, inside of our hearts right now, Jesus, every single person that's listening to this. I just pray that that the, the truth of the promises of your scripture be the truth that propels us into our day, Lord. And I just want to claim some of these truths of scripture over our lives right now, that we are the body of Christ. Satan has no power over us, for we overcome evil with good. We're of God and have overcome him, for greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We will fear no evil, for you are with us, Lord. Your word and your spirit, they comfort us. We are far from oppression. Fear does not go near us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper, for our righteousness is of the Lord. May these truths of Scripture be the thing that propels us to the promise and away from the pain. For again, it's by the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection that we all pray this. Amen. Amen. Carlos. This book, the prayer time with you has been a gift. I'll see you out on a stream in Colorado in the near future. Let's do it.
Hi, friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. We hope that these conversations are encouraging and challenging to your soul and leadership. If you want to dig a little deeper into any of these things, if these conversations are resonating with you and you don't know what your next step is, I would encourage you to head over to stayforth.com. We have all sorts of resources that you can dig into with coaching, consulting, uh, ebooks, tools, uh, blog posts, all sorts of content that our team is constantly creating so that leaders can uh, pursue health. And that's what we care deeply about. So if you want to take your next right step uh, towards health as a leader, I would invite you to check out stayforth.com and see if there's any way uh, that our team can partner with you to pursue health in your leadership. So uh, we are dropping episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. If you haven't subscribed, I would encourage you and invite you to do that. That way you will be notified every time we drop a new episode. But as always, we are so incredibly thankful for your support and that you continue to listen to these conversations that we believe are oh so crucial to our culture right now. So we'll see you in the next episode. Shot, shot, we ain't focused so long.